All right. Um, how are you, Sebastian? Sebastian, yes. Is that how you pronounce it? Okay. Yeah. Uh, thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks for doing this. Uh, no problem. Uh, thank you for inviting me. <laughs> I honestly wasn't expecting it. You just reached out to me and I was like, whoa, a podcast? Awesome. Yeah, let's do it, right? Was that yeah. your, your first thought? Like, yeah, let's just do it. That was my first thought. <laughs> I was like, I was like I, I've never been a part of anything like uh, like that before. Um, I, I Podcasts have always interested me. I only started listening to them recently, but it's, it's an interesting form of communication and I, I support it. <laughs> yeah, same, same. That's why I decided to start. Uh, I just started like uh, one month ago or something like that. So it's, I don't have, you know, I'm not an expert. So excuse any, any things that, that go wrong oh, no. or anything like that. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> don't worry about that. Uh, things will go wrong all the time. <laughs> the, uh, that's a saying here at NJIT. It's a uh, uh, no, no. At, at my old high school, sorry, uh, we were Bergen Tech. Uh, they always called it Bergen Technical Difficulties because everything that had to do with the electronics always fails. But <laughs> if it doesn't go wrong, you're doing the the wrong way, right? Yeah, <laughs> you're not doing the right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so do you mind giving us an introduction of uh, who you are? Uh, sure, yeah. Uh, my name is Sebastian Carlos Fernandez. Um, I am currently an applied physics major at NJIT, and uh, I, am, I am an honors college student. I received nice uh, scholarships to, get, to come here. I'm uh, hopefully going to graduate in 2024. And I, for clubs, I do the vector. Uh, I'm the staff writer for the vector. But I'm also event manager of the robotics club here and of a recreational uh, club called Dyson Dex. Um, we're a board game club. Uh, but yeah, I'm part of a lot of organizations around campus. Nice, nice. So you're doing a, a lot of things, I see. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the way I, I came across you was that I was reading uh, the NGIT news and there was mm. like an article about you about reviewing games. Yeah. So how, how did you get into writing? Because you said that you're a physics major, right? And I don't think <laughs> much physics, uh, you know, many of the physics majors that I know, they don't like writing. So how did no. you get into writing? Well, um, funny thing, I, I actually just transferred to physics, to applied physics, but it's not a, it's not a big jump. I, I applied to NJIT as a, as a BME major, a biomedical engineering major, and I transferred uh, to applied physics. Um, but that, that has no bearing on the situation. I never really uh, wrote for personal reasons until last year when I joined the Vector, but I've always loved uh, my literature classes, like reading and uh, 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 specifically two classes that I took in my high school, um, AP Lit and AP Lang, where it was a lot of analysis of like older writings, nonfiction and fiction. And I just, I, I loved, I loved it all. Um, sorry. Turn off um, but yeah, I, I really liked writing. I feel like my teachers really um, cemented it in me, but um, I, I like the process of going through a piece of work and analyzing it, which is why I also really like um, uh, the, uh, reviewing video games. The, the analysis and like putting it on paper is really interesting to me. Um, but yeah, I've loved it ever since I started writing in class. Uh, nice. Uh 
So how do you get involved into writing for the vector? Is it something that you just apply or like, how does it work? Um, well, last, I, so during COVID, <laughs> um, so yeah, during, during COVID, we did all uh, virtual club fairs and everything at the beginning of the year. Um, we had a, uh, what was it called? Student involvement fair. Um, it, it was all online. Uh, we joined these virtual rooms of anything that we found was interesting. And seeing as how I was going to NJIT as an engineering major at the time, BME, uh, I knew I was never going to take another <laughs> Lang class if I continued down that path. I would never write another like fiction, nonfiction piece again, but aside from research papers. So I was like, you know what? I like writing. I want a creative outlet. So I joined the Vector in October of 2020. Um, and I took a bunch of pieces about campus news. Like um, we, I did a news on, uh, on uh, how GDS, the, our food service was uh, packaging everything in plastic bags while we were on uh, quarantine. And it was a lot of plastic waste. Uh, just a lot of like niche things that happened around campus. Um, but yeah, I, I, I like the news aspect, but I felt like it was more fun to do, to talk, to write about things that I have deeper connections to, or like, uh, like more fun connections to. So I also did video game reviews, movie reviews, music reviews. Those are my, those are my uh, most fun pieces. <laughs> nice. Um, but like, is there like a process that you have to follow to, you know, to be part of the vector? Or you just go up to them and be like, hey, I want to be writing for you guys or or you submit your pieces of writing? How does it work? The the, the rooms have a, what's it called? A timer on the, like if it doesn't sense movement. Sensor, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Um, no, yeah. I mean, I, I attended the student involvement fair online and I was greeted by the chief editor and um, I forget the other person's uh, position, but um, uh, Sandra and Catherine from the, from the club and they talked about it. They talked about what their, their weekly meeting schedule was. We meet every Friday. We have a bulletin board of stories and then we choose from that list and we write it for the next, the next um, Friday. And so you, we'd have this constant cycle and they just gave me a link to their discord. <laughs> And that's where they posted the, the WebEx link so that we could join um, uh, meetings and such. And then, yeah, we just we just uh, attended meetings. And then we when we wrote the, the thing, we just sent it to the chief editor. Um, Catherine uh, was uh, really helpful in uh, fueling my desire to write for the vector. Nice, nice. But they don't know, you know, you don't have to take a test or anything like that. It's no, no mm -hmm. test. No. Okay. <laughs> if you show aptitude, uh, you send them a piece. They don't, they're not, they don't have to put it in the paper. They have awesome. a great team of editors and uh, people who review it. I feel like if you're bad at writing, they'll tell, they'll let you know, they'll let you down easy. <laughs> oh. But they also have. Um, they're very uh, honest, right? They're very. <laughs> <laughs> they're honest but they're not just gonna let you go even if you don't feel like you're the best writer and you still want to um try um they have a a slew of um uh workshops that you could attend through them a bunch of uh all the writers there would be glad to help you like put together a piece uh, even if you don't know where to start like there are other are we are always active on the discord and everyone's very friendly um it was yeah it was very easy to actually join 
Yeah, I think that's important that uh, clubs like that do things like, you know, things like that to incentivize people to actually join. And, you know, if, as you said, maybe you're not that good at writing, but we can help you improve. We can, uh, you know, make you take, well, not make you, but, you know, suggest why don't you take these classes or these workshops and then in that way, you know, improve the way you write and, you know, little by little, you'll be there. I think exactly. that's that's really important. And as you said, like a friendly welcome from them. So that's also, that helps you. Especially yeah, no, if you're it, a beginner. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like not and not everyone um comes with a good background, but they might be interested in something. And if you don't have like a guiding hand to, you know, sort of like like lead you to the right resources, it's very difficult to 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 find the motivation even to to push yourself. But I mean, if you are dedicated enough and it, you are it is something that you are interested in, it you'll you'll find your group of people that will help you. <laughs> So before you were, you were doing physics, uh, before you actually switched to physics, were you doing what were you doing before that? Like as yeah, a major, so, as a major. Yeah, I'm sorry. But no, yeah. Uh, before before I switched to physics, I I, I mentioned before I was a BME major, uh, biomedical engineering. Mm -hmm. um, I switched. Uh, I, I I was doing a lot of like really cool classes. I I did enjoy a lot of the biomedical engineering curriculum. Well, for the first two semesters that I actually got to experience, um, I think being virtual really dulled the experience a little. <laughs> but um, I we did a lot of cool things with um coding, and um, we configured our. Do you know what an Arduino is? It's, yeah, yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. Yes. The little microcontrollers; those were very fun to play around with. But when I started getting into three hundred level classes for BME, mm -hmm. um, like, right? Those those are more. Um, higher level classes, uh, I started having real conversations with my professors about what the beginning of my career as a biomedical engineer would look like. <laughs> and uh, it was a lot of <laughs> a lot of grunt work, a lot of paperwork, a lot of uh, filing for the, uh, what's it called? The patents and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, uh, the patents and uh, the safety standards. And it, I just, <laughs> I, that really turned me off. And I, I really enjoy engineering. I really enjoy electrical engineering. I enjoy uh, physics and um, putting things together in a from a science perspective. Mm -hmm. But I, I I figured I didn't want to sideline myself into a career like that. So applied physics was my like holy grail of like oh this is a much more broader field where I can choose something and I won't be and I'll have this application over a, a series of uh, career paths so that that's mainly why i switched to applied physics um it was it was a tough decision but <laughs> but uh yeah uh but i didn't choose a liberal arts degree because <laughs> it never really it really it never really applied to me um i i have all the respect in the world for people who go for journalism I, all a lot of my friends in the vector are actually in uh, going for journalism and it's a great outlet for them and uh, it's good to build a portfolio and everything um i feel like i feel like if i was a writer i'd want to do a lot of like um personal writing uh i'd want to do a lot of things that interest me and like i want to be able to express myself creatively um i feel like if i went and wrote for like a <laughs> 
like newspaper like a, or something like that. Yeah. Like a big writing company, that the the editors would start to annoy me. <laughs> like you're cramping my creative style. I don't, I don't really, I don't want to do that for the rest of my life. Constantly being like I corrected. <laughs> They'll be uh, but, censoring you, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, no, but not to say that editing is not an important point. I've learned that a lot of the back the, the editors always had constructive criticism to make my piece better. Mm-hmm. I just I, I <laughs> to have an entire career full of that. I mean, I'm not not that I'm not expecting create uh, constructive criticism, but <laughs> not that kind uh, of you know uh, constructive yeah. criticism, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, it never really. I never really saw myself as a as a liberal arts major. <laughs> And because you started coding before, like when you were doing the BME, is that because is that why you're doing like a minor in computer science? As I understand. Uh, actually, um, so as I mentioned before, I went to a technical school called Bergen Tech in Teterboro. And um, when we were there, we were all given majors, majors, uh, focus. We got extra classes that we could focus on a major that of our choosing. And my, my major was actually computer science. Um, so I learned to code in Java and uh, H and, and uh Uh, Python and C and everything like that, and it, it would it really interested me um, cre- finding creative solutions to make a pr- computer program do what you want. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like computer uh, computer programming and computer design is like going to be very prevalent in almost every field in the future. Honestly, especially for a physicist, <laughs> uh, every almost all the calculations you do are going to require some sort of computing power and some knowledge uh in computing um but yeah i i i i've had a soft spot for <laughs> for coding for a while um but yeah yeah and oh, over this past summer actually i was interning at the um center for solar and terrestrial research here at njit a uh, physics lab nice. um where they actually asked me to translate Python code, I mean, C++ code into Python code. And I was like, wow, this is a really practical application for everything that I've learned in, <laughs> in high school and beyond. And I'm like, wow, this is really like what I've wanted for a while now, a way to, to apply what I've learned. And uh, I'm very happy that it's working together. We're connecting the now. dots. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how do you go into that like uh into how do you uh you know did that like convert the code into like the c code into uh, python do you have to go like okay so this is a variable uh, variable like in c uh, and you know this is a variable in python just replace this here or is it more uh, like you have to go behind the logic of how the whole program works and then you know start working from scratch or something like that you see the the way that there's many angles that you can take it really but um the way that i went about it was you you start line by line you know like it, it's it's really like translating any other languages in the way that there's no perfect translation <laughs> yeah. um you go line by line you do as best as you can and it's very easy but getting it to work in the end is different because the two programs handle all the low lines of code slightly differently and that's where debugging and everything comes in um but like A, a variable in C is a variable in Python, but 
when you do a backslash operator in C, it might mean something completely different in Python. So you can't just carry that over. Uh, it's a lot of Googling to see if you're doing the right thing. Would you say that you had to rewrite the whole thing again? <laughs> yes, yes. You get very familiar with, with a piece of code when you have to analyze every line like that. <laughs> yeah, instead of translating it, it's like, okay, I'm just going to rewrite it. And just to make yeah. it do the same thing. Because I know what it should do. And if it's not doing it, then, uh, you know, <laughs> like, again, if you just learn, if you want to speak in Spanish and you know the words in Spanish and you just search each of them up one by one and speak them, it's going to come out wrong because the, 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 the adjectives and the nouns will have to be flipped around. The, there's, there's a bunch of new things that you have to add with gender. It's very similar <laughs> in translating Python code to C++, uh, C++ to Python code. <laughs> so to you know to linger on this uh, would you say that uh, you know for the physics uh, are you gonna like uh, of course you don't know but like because you're not there yet but like do you say uh, can you say that you know the physics are right now the physics uh, you know professors or like people who are doing physics they use a lot of like simulations to do like you know their stuff their job and you know, those behind those simulations are these you know you have to program because you need to know how to you know make the simulations work and stuff like that absolutely i mean if you want to really okay experimentation is important in every scientific field and experimentation is setting up the physical experiment and uh observing the uh, well yeah that's what i'm referring to experimentation where you set up the physical experiment and observe the the results um and that's very difficult to do when you're trying to observe something on a macro scale on a on a scale that you're not physically capable of achieving as a human in this day and age such as working for the the center for solar and terrestrial research if you want to observe the sun you're not going to build a sun in your backyard and see what happens <laughs> you everyone in the center uses uh, very complex uh, algorithms and simulations to, um, uh, from pictures taken of the sun, you're able to extract so much information from it, from every single pixel being a different color. It's insane. You, you get to extract so much information that you can create graphs and graphs of a bunch of different uh, things happening with the sun because you have the algorithms already in place that can understand what each pixel means. Um, so it, it allow so all these um, what's it called? All these algorithms and codes and and uh, uh, things that are able to analyze things uh, macro scale projects uh, in a matter of like seconds is is invaluable to anyone working in the science field. And how accurate do you think they are? Because I mean, of course, you can't really like you have to simulate, you know, the sun, right? You can't just build one, as you said, in your backyard. Yeah, uh, exactly. Um, that's where peer review comes in. And, you know, um, you do as best you can. You redo the numbers over and over again. You make sure that your code is spotless and you write a paper with all your 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 findings and you see okay, this looks like it could be a possible finding. I think that I found something that no one else has ever found before. You put it out there and people immediately disagree with you. <laughs> and then they provide evidence for why they disagree with you. And you get another, another um, viewpoint on 
well, they looked at it from this angle and maybe I hadn't seen it from this angle. And from that angle, yeah, my numbers do look a little wrong. <laughs> so um, uh, everything has margin of error. Uh, depending on how wrong you are, <laughs> just depend. Uh, it just determines on how much longer you'll have to work on a topic. Um, how hot do we know the sun is? None of us are going to get close enough to the sun to figure that out. But <laughs> using things that we do know, like if you look at a black body uh, 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 radiator and you can tell how much UV rays are coming off of it, you can calculate from that how hot it is. So you can apply the same principles there on the sun. But if someone figures out that you can't apply those same principles elsewhere, then that's where science comes from. Uh, everyone's coming up with new ways to do things. Um, but yeah, you choose a socially acceptable <laughs> method and you go with it as long as you can yeah so that's uh it's it's good that you know uh the scientists do like peer-reviewed papers because in that way you know they see as you said uh, other people review those papers and then they are like okay so i'm seeing it from this perspective and you know and since you are working on it you have one perspective and you want to you know keep on that perspective forever and then mm -hmm. someone else comes and be And, and they're like, okay, no, this is wrong because of this and that. So I think that's uh, really the foundation of science. And, you know, I think that's really important for everything, really, to get yeah. feedback and to put it out there and be like, okay, try to make holes in, uh, in my theory. Yeah. You aim to be right, knowing that you're probably, there's probably <laughs> some flaws, that, that, that you're probably wrong. But whether you're right or wrong leads you to another conclusion and that leads you to well continue your field and learn more about it than you would have otherwise so how how do you see yourself as a physics uh, once you graduate and all of that um because you well, said that you didn't see yourself you know doing busy work as a bme of course i'm not saying every you know if you're a bme you're doing busy work all the time but You know, that was your, you know, your idea based on what the, your professors told you and so forth and so on. So how do you see yourself as a physics as opposed to the BME? Um, well, I feel like even if <laughs> I do find myself dragged back into BME, like the, the, the idea, it was always interesting to me. I went through high school developing this idea that I would be a biomedical engineer Uh, by the end of it, I was very sure of it, <laughs> but actually starting the classes and talking to people who have been in the field, I became not so sure. Um, so you think you're very sure of something until you're not, but uh, I could always go back to that with a degree in applied physics. Um, the, the physicists are needed in almost every, <laughs> in, in almost every technical field. Um, but I'm thinking maybe for myself, Um, starting in a research position in, uh, in a, either at, a, at an institution or some other uh, bigger labs uh, is the right way for me to go um, to really get into that, that mindset that you, you, know, you, you make a, a conjecture about something physical in the real world, which I would enjoy doing. I find myself enjoying um, observing uh, natural and unnatural phenomenon and taking in what's happening and making an idea of what, why is that happening? And then uh, once you have that idea down, you give it away to some people for them to poke holes in it. <laughs> that's, a, 
that's the basis of almost every physicist's like uh, life. And I feel like a, a research opportunity would be wh where I would take this after graduation. And what are some of the physics uh, fields that you're interested in? You mentioned um, the sun, so I think uh, astronomy. <laughs> Uh, I am actually at uh, astronomy uh, focus currently. Uh, NJIT has uh, uh, two big focuses, I think. Uh, one of them is optical imaging, uh, which is a whole a whole field in its own. And um, another one is astronomy. I chose astronomy because I've always been interested in them. Uh, exploring more than just earth <laughs> uh, i've always found it cool it, ever since i was a little kid it was it was always a dream of mine um to go to space but you know that's a little that's a little far <laughs> i mean uh with i mean you can current, still go to space <laughs> yeah no the, the current the current way that things are going i mean um i think it's pretty good the odds are pretty good right did now. you see the 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 virgin airlines um what's it called i, I saw it space the... launch Yes, I saw. I saw. It, it was pretty cool. Yeah, commercial commercial space flights are just like they're they're right around the corner, and you 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 don't see it coming. But like, <laughs> the they're, they're happening step, already. Yes. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't feel like <laughs> personally we should be leaving Earth in the conditions that it is currently in. But <laughs> for the future, the next step would be to. Now that we've conquered the earth, we could conquer other places, but I don't know. Other people have different viewpoints on that. <laughs> I think there's enough people here on earth to fix earth. And also there's enough people to, you know, try to go to space. You know, it's Because not that everyone has to be on one field. We can, you know, yeah. work on different fields because of course, you know, climate change, that's also really important. Because if there is no this earth, we can't really go anywhere, right? Because yeah. then we're, yeah, there's no resources. But I think, uh, you know, there's a little bit, uh, you can, you know, dabble in different things, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, to limit yourself to one, like, world, uh, not just, not just, like, literally, but, like, <laughs> uh, metaphorically, it's, it's naive. It's um, thinking that this is the only thing out there, when clearly you have an infinite expanding universe, and I, I want to learn more about that. <laughs> yes. I mean, that that's the big picture here, <laughs> is, is at least my opinion. Yeah, and as human beings, I don't think we are one dimensional. I think we like different things, like you like physics, you know, writing video games. Mm. We like different things. So we, we can just, you know, focus on one thing and be like okay i'm gonna be that for the rest of my life i don't think that's the way to go you know exactly. it's my opinion but like you know i think uh, a lot of people think like that yeah a lot of people like to um well we're we're we as human beings like seeing routine sometimes where it's most comfortable to do the same thing every day or like know what you're going to be doing the next day so that you're not anxious about well will i have enough to eat <laughs> or will i will i be happy uh, a lot of people start doing something that they think they feel happy in and they keep doing it when they don't realize that they're not liking it anymore and then you know you you trap yourself in a system that you don't really enjoy and i think it's important to be mindful of how you're feeling and how you want your life to go and take the steps to push yourself into uncomfortable situations where you may or may not uh, learn something new about yourself. 
yeah, learn I think something new that you 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 like about yourself. Yeah, I think that's the right way to go. You know, always challenge yourself. Don't get too comfortable. Do different yeah. things. Yes, I think that's uh, that's really good. Uh, so going back to writing, so you you got an award for writing uh, a review for a video game. Uh, which uh, video? was it? Something like that. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, my uh, award was for. Uh, an article I wrote like offhand um, October 8th was when I was when I wrote this. Um, it was a piece about uh, how people really connected over quarantine, not being able to physically um, go to their friend's house and like play with them or go to the park or whatever, whatever it may be. A lot of people turned to virtual uh, gaming. And the two most popular virtual social games at that time, uh, at least uh, that I was petitioned to write about was um, Fall Guys uh, and Among Us. And so I wrote, I wrote an article about Fall Guys and Among Us and at least these, um, these games of very similar concepts. Um, you are in a lobby of about the, the, from five to 20 people uh, all working towards a goal. <laughs> and it was a really interesting thing to write about uh, how people collaborated uh, over, like they, they, even when we couldn't um, physically collaborate, we found ways to find enjoyment in people, even if it wasn't the people, it was just a little blob on screen. <laughs> um, but yeah, I wrote, a, I wrote a long article about that and the Society of Professional Journalists um, desired to take my piece, my, uh, my, uh, the, the, the e-board of Vector actually submitted my piece to the Society of Professional Journalists. And I happened to win an award for video game journalism um, in the, the region one, which is uh, Northeast uh, US. Which is uh, Connecticut, New York, uh, New Jersey, right? Uh, yeah, it's, um, sorry, it's uh, including, sorry, uh, from everywhere, everywhere from Maine to New Jersey is uh, the very tip to um, South South Jersey. So it's like four states, right? Four or five, or maybe more. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, so yeah. it's, a, you know, the competition must be really, you know, it, it was pretty, it was pretty fierce. Yeah, I, I was, but I wasn't, um, so from New Jersey, New York, Connecticut, Massachusetts. Um, so yeah, I went against, uh, as the, as the article points out, I have it pulled up here. Um, <laughs> I apparently came ahead of journalists from Columbia University, which I was very, I was very uh, proud of. I was like, wow, seriously, I, I, <laughs> as the article points out, I was not really expecting an award because I was, I was just, I was writing finally, uh, when I, when I chose to write about Fall Guys and Among Us, I was deciding to leave more of the news field and go into review field. And so this being one of my first review pieces, I was very surprised that it actually went over well with the judges. Nice. Uh, would you say that's because you were writing about something that you like? Of course, I'm not saying that, you know, as opposed to not writing something that you like because, you know, the news, someone has to, you know, say, oh, this happened or that. But like, would you say that you enjoyed writing this review more than, you know, describing what's going on on campus or stuff like that? Um, I think everything comes with its own challenges and thus uh, its own things that I sort of liked about it. I liked, again, I like, I love challenging myself. And so writing news pieces was something very new to myself. It required a lot of, um, 
you had, I, I had to do a lot of uh, research about a topic. I had to go out and investigate. I had to have interviews with people like, like we're doing right now. I, it was a lot to manage, but getting all that information on a piece of paper and submitting it to an article was so satisfying to me. And I think I wrote a lot of good articles like that. And in my personal opinion, I think some of those articles were better than, <laughs> or had better uh, content than my review articles. But I did find it very fun to write about something that I could, that I could really talk about comfortably. Um, being a consumer of a lot of video game media, I think it's, <laughs> I think like everyone it's, um, else. Yeah, uh, I think it's, I think it's an important form of media that a lot of people don't really consider as much. And so I, I found myself very motivated to write this piece. And I found myself very excited using a lot of uh, colorful <laughs> uh, uh, grammar and uh, word choice in my piece that I wouldn't normally use. And so it being out there, I think, helped me with my chances. See, you just winged it and won an award, man. You were yeah, like, I, okay, I, I'm just going to do this. And then you just won. I, I just, you know, you never know what, you, what, what what's going to happen until you until you push yourself into something new. Exactly. That, that's what I've been talking about the entire time. <laughs> nice, nice. Is there like a, was there like a, like a length limit or something like that for, you know, the article or was it like, you know, you know write as many pages, write an essay or something like that? No. Um, so, so for the vector, um, we have a specific number of writers and a specific number of pages for the, the article. I think like about 12 per issue. Um, we have 12 uh, physical sheets of paper per issue. And so each writer can only write so much uh, before, we, before we exceed a limit. So I did not know that there was a limit when I first started writing for the vector. <laughs> And I wrote I wrote a lot. I, I, I found myself writing about um, 1,500 to 2,000 word uh, pieces, but um, thankfully the editor team caught me <laughs> very, very early and they're like, this is wonderful work, Sebastian, but we need 750 max. <laughs> and so I found myself rewriting a lot of pieces because uh, when I write, I find myself just like, well, like word barf on the pages and then it's, it's just revision from there. Um, but yeah, this one, I think, turned out to be, uh, let me see, file, uh, can I, yeah, okay, word count was uh, 902 first draft, 902 words first draft, we cut it down to about 750 from there, uh, so that I could fit on a half page in the, in the issue. As a writer, how do you, you know, decide which piece to cut or be like, Because you want everything there. Like, you're like, okay, I'm not going to cut anything from here. So how exactly. do you decide, oh, you know, like, it's like, you know, they're putting limits creatively. Yeah, that, that brings me back to one of the, what we were discussing before, why I couldn't find myself writing. Um, I, 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 it, it hurts me <laughs> cutting pieces out of, out of something that I work so hard for. And like, I get really invested in my pieces and I feel like everything I put in there is worth saying. But again, you can only fit so much on a piece of paper that you have to print weekly and, you know, you want to give as much uh, spotlight to your other writers as possible. So if I want to express myself creatively, continuing from this point, I should just make my own uh, blog. And I was going to say that you should create there. a blog. Yes. <laughs> uh, there's no word limit on that. But um, <laughs> uh, how do I decide what to cut out? Um, 
I work with the writers on this. Um, they'll cut things out that like it seem a little too rambly. Like uh, uh, if I write a, a sentence where it basically says the same things twice, that tends to slip through. Um, they'll tell me that this seems a little like you're saying the same thing again. They'll just remove that. Um, a lot of my, a lot of the pieces of the writing that I like that, that sound more conversational are often cut out. It's more like when I write, I'm, tar I'm, I'm talking to an invisible audience. And if it seems too much like, uh, too, too much, like not an art, like not, not a news piece, then that'll be cut out. But it's mainly just, a a lot of, um, creative liberties are removed to keep the, the main point and the main analysis because there is a difference when you're writing news right you want to get the point across and you know let people yeah. know what's happening but when you're writing about like a review you you know it's more about you know the details and of course you want to tell people but you don't want to go direct to the point but like you know just yeah. cover the whole thing and be like okay describe this part of the game or book describe this mm -hmm. other part and so forth and so on right It's so it depends hard, what you write. It's hard writing about something that you're personally passionate about because it means a lot to you and you want to share that with people. But the piece isn't about you. It's not for you. It's for people. <laughs> it's for others to understand what the topic is about. And if they're interested in your in your opinions, of course, put your opinion in there. But don't go off like <laughs> on a tangent because people don't like tangents. <laughs> So you you write with that in mind, right? This yeah, is not yeah. for me. This is for the people. So I should write for them, kind of thing. Exactly. Nice. There is a there is this blog called uh, Weibo. Why? I don't know if you heard of it. No, I'll no. send I'll send it to you. It's really good. And, yeah. You know, it's uh this guy that writes about different things, and I think he he wrote like a uh, I'm pretty sure he wrote a piece about SpaceX and the whole you know the space uh, how they they're making the rockets also about Tesla and stuff like that. I'll send it to you so that you can check it out. Awesome, uh, awesome. Yeah, you've reminded reminded me of that because uh, in one of his pieces he says about writing for the audience, mm -hmm. and since you brought it up, I'm like I'm just making the connection. Uh, you know, I've heard this before, so yeah yeah no we learned a lot about that um when i when i did take those classes in high school the ap lit and the ap lang we i wrote we wrote a lot of pieces from uh, from authors speaking in the first person from their own experience they're about their life their lives as writers and it's the same thing over and over again if you want to be heard by people that it has to be like you know it has to connect with them immediately otherwise you know it seems like some people have <laughs> uh lower attention spans and that's all right you know we can't expect uh, you to pick up a, a a newspaper and be like completely enthralled in it that's completely fine that's most people and if you don't grab them immediately then you lose them but it's okay there's more articles for them to read something else to catch their attention not everyone likes the same things mm so how do you write like what's uh what's your technique or in like writing techniques like did you sit down and start writing the writing away or um i uh, so <laughs> just starting to write um it, it's it seems like the most tempting option because you have so many ideas floating around in your head that you hope will fit together And you don't want to forget them before you put them down on a piece of paper. So you try to write as fast as possible. But in my experience, 
that that doesn't really go over well for the overall uh, structure of the piece. If you want to make something cohesive and something that will, uh, you know, deliver an impactful punch by the end of the, the piece, it should be, you should really like try drawing it out, get, have your ideas separately listed, like, however you want, um, but like write them down as, quick, as quickly as possible. I mean, you don't want to forget your good ideas, but make sure that they will fit together before you start writing the piece. Otherwise, at, by the end of it, you're going to be so frustrated with trying to fit the, the pieces of the jigsaw puzzle together that it, it, it'll become a very stressful thing for you to do. So you plan it out first. Yeah, yeah. It's all. It's. I find that for myself, at least, it's better to draw an outline or uh, make a list of things, and then cherry pick which which ideas will go together in which paragraphs best. Does it come easy to you uh, to sit down and start writing, or are you the kind of person who has to do certain things to to get yourself to write? Um. I that's a that's a good question. Uh, <laughs> it depends. Um, if I find myself really uh, it, like excited to write a piece, I already have a lot of ideas in mind, and I I am very excited to get them down as fast as possible. Even knowing that I'll probably have to go back and cut a bunch of things and move things around anyway. Um, but some pieces, it's like I have all this information. I don't exactly know where it goes, and I have to sort of just like ruminate about it for a while to see what kind of uh, attitude you want to express towards the reader. Like there's a way to make pieces sound informative. There's a way to make pieces sound entertaining, sound like uh, investigative. Um, even getting over that hump is uh, a challenge. And once you decide what you want to sound like, you know what you have to put down on paper. Mm -hmm. So once you start writing, you and you know, you know where you're going. Just, just write to the end, or being being you... confident about the direction you're taking a piece is, I think, key to you know uh, being a professional writer. It's like you you have to you have to know where, uh, at least the general direction of where you're going. And of course, pick up the slack uh, later. Um, trust your editors when they say that something's a little off because <laughs> uh, new eyes before it goes out to the public is always helpful. Um, but yeah, yeah. Know that whatever direction you take will probably have to be altered. But as long as it makes something, makes a coherent point about whatever you're writing, I think you, you're in a good spot. So write with an open mind, right? Yeah, yeah. Do you have any uh, special tools? Like, do you use Microsoft Word? Well, what do you use to write? Like, um, notepad. My, or... All of my all of my documents uh, that I, that I sent to the vector have been through Google Docs. I mean, it's just, just super convenient. Um, if I am walking around campus or I'm I'm just experiencing things and I'm like I have it in the back of my mind. Oh, I have to write a, an article about plastic bags later I can just like whip out my phone and write something down really quickly so I'll have those those notes and ideas later so that when I actually do write the article I'll have I'll have all my ideas that I've had over the past couple of days in front of me um uh but yeah it's google docs is, is great I can use it on any platform and then it'll always just be in the same area so that when I do start working it's all organized already <laughs> So what about the writing uh, writer's uh, roadblock? Uh, Do you writer's have... block? Yeah. It's more for me. I, 
it, it so writer's roadblock is oftentimes you think that you don't know what to write you don't have a single idea of what to write um I think more so for me, I have a lot of ideas to write. I don't know which one to choose, which is, I think, a very similar mindset. Um, but when you have a lot of ideas, you really just have to, you have to write them all down. Uh, what I do is I write them all down and you have to sort of pick it. You have to sort of rank and, you know, you might like an idea. You might like an idea, uh, the way an idea will go, but then sort of, in your mind think about how that will sound later on like uh i might choose to do a piece on um i don't know how hot the sun is <laughs> um you can either think uh you can either cite a bunch of sources uh on what scientists have done and then that'll make your piece into more of a report more of something uh formal mm -hmm. and if that's what you want to convey to your audience then go ahead but um if you want to ponder why the sun is that hot, then there is an entire world of possibility of creativity. But if you're not writing for an audience that wants creativity, then you opt for the first one. <laughs> if both of them are equal, would make equally good articles, but depending on your audience and what they're expecting from your article, you choose one. Would you say it's like a trial and error kind of, uh, so like, you know, the papers that you write, even though you, yeah. you know, you start saying like, okay, this is going to be uh, a research piece. or this is going to be, you know, a creative piece or just like a review. Mm -hmm. Do you think it's more like a trial and error with the audience? Of course, everyone thinks differently, but, you know, like the majority of the audience just said, oh, okay, I got this. So like for the review that you wrote, right? So you were like, okay, this is what the people want. I think I got it. I think I know the formula or there's no <laughs> formula. <laughs> There is no formula, um, especially for the vector. Um, we don't really have a system of, of, of audience feedback. And I, I've always wanted that for the vector. I've always wanted some sort of comment section. I mean, for the past two, two years, we've been virtual. I mean, well, the past two past year, we've been virtual. And I was like, we should totally have a comment section. But I mean, for print, for, for, for physical copies of issues of newspapers, there is no comment section. You really have to ask around say, hey, did you read my article? What did you think about it? <laughs> What do you think I could do better? Uh, it's very, it's very hard to write without feedback. <laughs> um, uh where was i going with this <laughs> um but it, yeah there there really is no formula uh for for my time at the vector i really just wrote uh in ways that i think would be new to me and something that i haven't really tried before like uh scientific pieces or investigative pieces or creative pieces i liked writing what i what i felt like i wanted to write about and if people liked it that, that's great and apparently it worked out for one of them that, that was submitted to the Society of Professional Journalists. You really just got to keep casting your line. Um, but if you know your audience, you, you need to have that mindset and keep reminding yourself, this is an informative piece. Do not use my opinion. Do not use, uh, do not use like creative language. They're coming here to learn about something that happened. You have to keep reminding yourself every time you write, because when you are writing, everyone has an internal dialogue. Everyone has a voice in their head. And sometimes that voice can seep through as uh, some sort of dialogue. 
in your piece. And if your piece is not asking for a conversation, then you, then you gotta, you gotta sort of tone it back. <laughs> um, but uh, you sort of, especially my time at the Vector, you really just have to guess a direction and go for it. Um, my, uh, the people who choose uh, the articles that we write, um, our wonderful eboard, um, they have an idea about it. And so I used, I used to ask them, uh, well, what kind of piece do you want? So I know what, what they would have wanted to put out in that week of the vector because there might be a lot of uh, creative pieces already by other authors. Um, it's really circumstantial. But um, yeah, there, there, there is no formula. No <laughs> it's, it's, it's learning how to be a better writer and focusing on a task. But I think it's key to, as you said, to engage with the audience, to try to have a conversation or like the, so that the, the piece uh, feels like you're talking to the audience and the audience is like having their own you know, conversation in their head being like, okay, I'm talking to Sebastian or something like that, right? Depending, depending. Uh, yeah, as it, it, I think I, I, my favorite pieces are ones that you you try to point out the audience like, hey, I'm a person, you're a person, you can you can relate to this. Um, but yeah, some pieces really just call for uh, information, uh, information like a recollection and uh, listing it out for people so that they know something's up. Um, but at the same time, don't forget that your audience is a per it are people who are reading this and don't want to be bored to death <laughs> with a bunch of figures and numbers. Um, don't don't want to be bored to death by quoting because you're not there to quote. You're there to write a new piece of information from a perspective of a person who's seen different, um, who's, who's had different ex life experiences and might have something interesting to say. People are interested in interesting things uh, that people have to say. Yeah, they <laughs> so have try enough. To have... Huh? No, go, no, ahead. go ahead. No, no, I cut you off. Sorry. And I, I try to have, try, try to think of something, try to think of a new angle that hasn't been said over and over again, and people might listen. <laughs> so it's being very conscious of what society has already said uh, to people, what people already know, pe what people already have in their heads and trying to divert from that a little so that you are interesting enough to deserve someone's attention. Nice. Uh, yeah, that's a good way to put it. Because I was going to say they have enough with their classes. They don't want to be, you know, writing. I mean, exactly. reading essays or reading books that, that are really bore, so, uh, boring. This is a college campus. You get enough. <laughs> they get enough assignments. They get enough. They get enough textbooks. No, no. I feel like I feel like uh, they want to see that uh, their their own peers are able to see things about the world in a different light, and that is very important, I think, to the students uh, of NJIT. And I, I I know that the the staff also read the papers, and I'm sure it's it's interesting to them to see how people are thinking about things. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah. So you said you mentioned that the. The vector is virtual now, or like... uh, no, no. For the past year, we've had only virtual meetings. We'd had we'd had to submit virtually. We had um we had to stop printing physical copies because um uh, there was just not enough money in it, and people weren't picking up the copies because they were in places on campus 
that people weren't really traveling to. I mean, we're, we're NJIT, we're a commuter campus mostly. And with no commuters, uh, there, was no, there was no real reason to keep printing. And, and it, was, it was too much of a strain on the budget, really. Um, so where did you guys post, uh, you know, the, the, the vector, like the news and all of that? Was it like, is there like uh, a place in, online? Yeah, yeah. Um, NJ, uh, NJIT students receive a weekly newsletter. Uh, we're often found on a link there. The Vector has its own newsletter that it sends out via email to all the students uh, coming to campus. Um, we have a website, uh, NJIT The Vector. <laughs> um, but it, yeah, but really, I found that if you weren't told by by a writer of The Vector or told by someone else that there was an interesting article. The past year, we didn't have a lot of people reading the, the newspaper unless they had been doing it um, semesters prior. Um, but hopefully when we get to physical printing again, it'll be out in the open. We always have good, like uh, interesting hooks on the front page to get people to pick it up and read. And that's how that's how you do it. You have to you have to try and uh, appeal to as many pe people as possible from the get go. Um, But yeah, I'm really excited to see how how the vector does when people are actually reading more of the articles. So, how many copies do you guys uh, print or used to print when everyone was on campus? Oh, that is a statistic that I am not too sure about. But um, uh, I mean, you could find uh, racks of about uh, I would say about 50 copies. Uh, there were like three in, in the campus center where all students, all, all students have to pass through to get their food every day, uh, go to go to specific club rooms. Um, there's one there's a there's there's a newspaper rack in every major building on campus. So, I mean, and, and, and people restocking them constantly. Um, I feel like it's very accessible because as soon as you walk into uh, either Cullimore Hall or or or, or, uh, or the Honors Buildings or any of any of the residence halls, it's right there at the at the at the entrance. You will see the Vector newspaper around campus. It's unavoidable. Uh, it's unavoidable. We're everywhere. <laughs> Taking over the campus. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it, it, yeah, it was very unfortunate when I heard that we had to stop physical printing. I have, I have copies of the first couple, but yeah, every time I went back to the campus center after we went on an issue, I start like, like the little trays that we had the, the, what's it called? The, the papers in, they would stay unemptied for a week. And that's when we started seeing, you know, we're not, we're not, we used to have to refill them. But now they're not. We're not even. They're not even taking enough. People are using them as like, <laughs> as like fire, like to feed their fireplace. It's not. It's not worth. So when is the next time that the vector is going to print a physical copy? This semester. Uh, uh, this semester we've already started our cycles for. Um, we just we just uh, received our first storyboard. Uh, that issue I think has just been printed or will be printed very soon. <laughs> Um, but yeah, we're, we're just getting a start of it like everyone else. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's been, it's been tough readjusting to, to college life, uh, especially this past summer. And I, I hope people had good summers, but uh, things just, uh, keep going weird on campus. That, that, that storm that just hit has slowed up a bunch of things down over here. Oh, wow. I mean, yeah, a bunch of like, just 
remember when I told you that I joined the the the, the vector through um the the student involvement fair? That's been postponed. It was supposed to be today, actually. Oh, wow. um, that's been po postponed till next um, week. So yeah, uh, and a bunch of club meetings have been postponed. I think that's going to slow down uh, infrastructure a lot more. Um, but I mean, we made it through complete quarantine and isolation. So I think we'll we'll be able to push through it and get back to normal levels of, of, of uh, operation. But uh, yeah, only time will tell, really. Yeah, I think we're uh, slowly going back. So I think that's that's really good for everyone. I, I don't think uh, meetings, okay, the meetings, you can have them online, but like if you have like a student fair or something like that or club fair, I think it's mm -hmm. better to have it in person. I think that engagement is one of the most important things about clubs, especially on a community campus, especially, I cannot stress it enough. People last two semesters were so separate and and even during virtual classes uh i would say 99 of people didn't even turn on their video cameras or speak once during any of their classes and that is so alienating to people coming to a, a community campus uh in any circumstance uh, i feel like going back in person and at least even with masks, even with social distancing, seeing people and uh, being in uh, smaller groups to actually interact with people. That's how, that's how, we, that's how we get back to normal. That's how we um, start forming our community again. And I'm very, I'm very excited to, to when next week actually comes and <laughs> the, the student involvement fair is actually going on. I'm excited to meet new people and uh, try to get them in, involved in a lot more of these clubs that are going on on campus. So which, which day is this fair on? Um, it's coming, uh, the, the proposed date I think is around the 10th. I think it's, I think it's going to be exactly a week from uh, today. So next um, Friday, I think it is. Yeah, right? next Friday, hopefully, uh, from 11.30 to 1. Everyone um, who wants to come. <laughs> yeah, for, for everyone who wants to come. Uh, probably probably be a student. <laughs> but uh, I mean, yeah, uh, I'm very excited. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to help uh, all of my clubs that I'm a part of, like, uh, represent during this day. I'm going to be hopping around from my, my three clubs, uh, Robotics, Vector, and Dyson Dex. I'll be around campus talking to people, I, just trying to get them as involved as possible because NJIT is a great opportunity for people to make friends with people who they wouldn't expect to be friends with and uh, learn more about yourself and learn more about your, uh, your goals and aspirations in life. And I think that clubs are very important, very important way for uh, people to really reach out to the world and learn more about what people are doing. Yes, and I think they help you transition into if this is you know you come from high school, so the clubs really help you take your hand oh and help God. you transition into college. I think freshmen need it the most. I <laughs> I had such a tough time adjusting. It was like I was in a dream. Like none of this was really happening these past two semesters. I was like, classes were so hard, and and uh, making meaningful connections was even harder. Um, but I'm excited that freshmen this year, actually, they did get a, an orientation, a physical retreat um, in past semesters before even COVID. Uh, freshmen used to go off campus to like 
uh, I'm sure you you went to a retreat when you came, when you went to NJIT. Yes, yes, it was it was really good. I don't remember where they took us, but uh, there was a retreat. So, mm -hmm. oh no, never mind. I didn't do the retreat. I'm sorry, because uh, I transferred. So you know, I oh. I came here as a junior. Oh, okay, okay. I think it's only for freshmen, right? Yeah, yeah. Freshmen get a retreat. They go off. They 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 have a fun time with their new class, and and you you really build essential like connections with people who you might or might not see for the rest of your four years uh, minimum at NJIT. Um, but th this year they actually had a retreat. It was on, cam on campus, unfortunately, because they couldn't organize something off campus. With, uh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure that uh, student life organization tried their best. Um, but yeah, they, they had, they had, uh, sort of mixer retreat on campus for the freshman I think that's really good that they had a bunch of events together to get to know your NJIT family so that hopefully when you do eventually see them in your classes or your clubs somewhere down the line you have something to come back to like you know these people at some level and you can build on that and that's the most important thing but building a foundation Yes, networking is really important, especially in college. I think that's uh, one of the reasons why you come to college, besides the degree, of course, which is the yeah, most important. Yeah, networking. One. Yeah, exactly. That that's that's the it, it's education and networking. Those are the two main things. But most people don't focus on the networking part, which is which is sad because you don't get anywhere without people. You don't get anywhere without connections. You can be the 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 top of the class, and people will like that you are the top of the class. Don't get me wrong. People going into medical field you need that gpa <laughs> but uh you won't you won't get far unless unless uh people know you or people like you so <laughs> that's really true yes so you should focus on both i think yes yes so you used to write uh you said that in high school you used to write about fiction and non-fiction uh yeah um ap lang i think yeah yeah my my two classes ap lang was more uh fictional writing uh we analyzed a bunch of classical writers like edgar Allan poe and mary shelley we read frankenstein and all that stuff uh i think it was it, that was really that was a really cool thing to focus on as a class i i loved uh analyzing their writings especially archaic writing because it's like reading an entirely new language like they use combinations of words that you wouldn't even think of like for withal and and yeah. <laughs> hence hence without and it's, it's very interesting that this is all english this is all common thought and knowledge that has been passed down through generations And that I, I loved analyzing those pieces. I loved writing uh, reviews on those pieces. That was a, that was a big focus on in my class, and I think that's why I like reviews a lot now. What What are some of the books that that you like? You know, um, fiction and nonfiction. Of course, you can't really you know choose one or five, but just a couple, I guess, for yeah, the people who uh, want to get into reading, I guess. Yeah, I'm really into non. I'm really into. I'm really into fiction. I, I, uh, same, my favorite, same. my favorite book series was uh, the Maze Runner. Um, it's kind of a stereotypical dystopian novel, but I I really enjoyed it. I loved the world building, the characters. It 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 was it was very fun to read. I like things that are fun to read. <laughs> When I was a freshman, I read that book. It's really good. I think I I read it after the first movie came out or something like that. But the mm -hmm. of course the books are always better than the movies. The books for, are always for obvious better. reasons. Yes. 
Yeah, yeah, it was. <laughs> that was a time yeah i started reading um the maze runner series in middle school and i, I finished it somewhere by the end um of middle school but uh, it, it was it was it was a really i i still remember it fondly <laughs> um is it like five books or something like that it's uh let me actually see because <laughs> uh, i remember reading more than three for sure i think Yeah, there were there were more than three. I'm I'm pretty sure there was. It's like uh, four or five or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Th there's there's four. There's four. four. Oh. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I read all of them through. It was it was very fun to explore a new world. Uh, that that's what I find I enjoy most when I consume media. I like a, a, a escaping to a new world, and that's why I think that uh, video games are such an uh, such uh, an important part of my childhood at least um uh, I, 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 oh, oh no no i was gonna say that's why uh video games work right <laughs> they yeah, take you yeah, out of no, this reality exactly and, and not to say that i had <laughs> any life worth uh escaping uh, i mean i had a really good childhood I, i i love my life i love my family um but being able to escape to a world where you are the center of the story you are the hero it is uh it, it was really appealing to me as a kid and it's why i really like nonfiction. you're transported to a world where you are following the main character whom the world sort of revolves around <laughs> um and you see how it feels to be on that level of importance on that level of of grandeur and it gives you like a role model oftentimes to 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 aspire to become no that's really good uh i, I caught you off you were gonna mention more books were you oh, oh yeah um <laughs> what's it called uh I love the Maze Runner. I uh, more classical writers. I loved Edgar Allan Poe and Mary Shelley. I love the the creepy vibe, the <laughs> the sophisticated language. It is very fun to read. Uh, more modern books. I, I I'm I'm a sucker for Harry Potter and for um. I actually recently only read um, I only recently read The Hunger Games, <laughs> another really similar YA type novel to the Maze Runner. The Maze Runner, was, yeah. <laughs> I I mean throughout like ever since I was in elementary school people I've been talking about the Hunger Games and how good of a series it was and I was like I was never into it because it it was on the same level of like Twilight to me like people fantasized about the characters and it was a whole like movement um but re-picking up the books recently it, it was it was really fun read uh, again the the world building is what I come for I, I love the dystopian vibe I like I like learning more about the characters slowly and having like big big theatrical uh, reveals of their characters throughout. Are you a fan of the movies or more like the books? The Hunger Games movies are their own thing. I I did like the movie, even though it, it, it had some deviations from the books, of course. Um, they're, they're, they're a different being. I don't like grouping them together i don't say that this is the hunger games i say that this is the hunger games movie which is completely separate from the books <laughs> um i of course like the books more uh on average um the whole harry potter movie franchise with its own other thing it's it's a whole different universe there's so many things that has changed there but i mean everyone loves the movies because they're good movies I wouldn't say that they're perfect recreations of the books, but uh, they're, they're still good content. 
Yeah, I think it's difficult to pack like you know two or three books or maybe more into like a two-hour movie or even yeah. if it's seven hour uh, seven two-hour movies right it's still it difficult. absolutely is and and once you and and i think there's a level of uh uh what's it called you can enjoy the movie more after reading the book a lot of people are are like angry when they watch a movie they're like you changed my favorite part no no you have to go into it thinking that this is something else this is a new piece of work this is a new art form that you're now consuming and you have to see the differences and the creative liberties that the director had to take to fit all this information into this film for you to consume and once you see that the once you see the director as a person who had to make decisions to get you this to get you this movie to get you this book it's really fun to sort of piece together their mindset while they were making it and that's another thing why i love that's that's, that's why i loved uh, analyzing pieces of literature why did the the author make this detail more important than the other detail uh it's it's creative liberty it's it's what they wanted to convey in the moment I think it's good to do both, right? As as you said, you learn and from both. And then you, like for me, The Maze Runner, I watched the first movie and that's what prompted me to actually read the books. So if mm-hmm. I never watched the movie, then I'm like, you know, I'm I'm not reading. I, I never knew about them if it wasn't yeah. for the movie. So I think it's, it's good to do both and also to understand and analyze, as you said, why the director did this, why the writer did this instead and so mm-hmm. forth and so on. I think I think it's really important. I think that's yeah. the joy of it. Mm. And another really fun thing about uh, moving from book to movie is you get to actually see your characters that you've been picturing in your mind all wrong this entire time. <laughs> and uh, I like to say that you are not wrong. The way that you pictured your ca- the characters in your head the first time reading the book is the correct way. It is The, the movie is just the way that the writer has seen it or the director has seen it but it's not about the the story isn't really about the the writer or the director at that point it is a story in your mind and the way that you interpret it is what is what matters yes that's that's really good too yes i never thought of that but uh, now that you say it it's it makes sense (laughs) yeah yeah i mean like the first time i saw um what's it called uh the maze runner yeah I, I i did not picture the main character looking looking like that at all <laughs> i was like what oh all right all right it's like who's yeah. this guy who's this guy he's supposed to be the main character like i'm like he i'm sorry there's gonna be three movies on this i can't <laughs> i don't want to watch it but i, I mean you, you learn to you they grow on you as good characters do even if you don't like how a character is initially portrayed if they're a good character they'll have good development and you'll see the motivation of their actions and see them as a person who you can relate to and that that's the most important part about uh that's the most important part about building a world and characters to actually care about which i i respect these writers so so much for being able to accomplish it's it's insane it's really difficult yes and we're here just criticizing them right yeah and we're we're sitting here criticizing someone who created a world from scratch like that like let's let's criticize god why not <laughs> like why did you do uh, why did you make chairs like that why why but why did you yeah. make tips like that <laughs> why did you make this animal like that why does it look like that 
yeah i don't i don't know it's not it it's 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 artistic expression and you do it and you consume it as you will you might not like it but that's that's the way it is so moving into uh uh games so what are some of the games that you you play or recommend or you like i um so Growing up, all my friends used to play first-person shooters. They love they love multiplayer games. Uh, I tried getting into the general ones like Call of Duty, Battlefield, uh, uh, World of Warcraft. I I do like playing uh, multiplayer games. I often find myself playing Minecraft with my little brother all the time. It's 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 a really fun experience to try to to work with someone you know is a real person <laughs> and uh, interact with them in a way that you'd never be able to in the real world. And I think that that's why a lot of multiplayer games are so popular. Um, but my absolute favorite video game franchise has to be the Legend of Zelda series, all of which are mostly single player games, except for one spinoff on the DS. But um, <laughs> uh, I, I love the Legend of Zelda series. Uh, it was uh, on the same level of reading a book to me it was world building it was you have a main character but now you get to ex influence this character's choices and although a lot of you know first person story games are driven along a main path um, like you have to do this to progress the story it's it, it gives you this false sense of control over this wonderful world that you 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 are the hero and you have bested the villain and you you did this all of your own volition and it, it's just very invigorating to finally I, it, there's a lot of puzzles in legend of zelda I, it's very it's very fun to to be the hero and figure things out for yourself so which so do you play on, on nintendo ds uh, or yeah. I've owned all almost all the Nintendo systems. Uh, I mean, not not all of them. Uh, DS on <laughs> uh, the DS, the Wii, uh, and the Nintendo Switch. I've played almost all the the Legend of Zelda games from those generations. But the the main games are they on the was it like the Game Boy? Where um, there because you said there was one that was on the DS. Uh, no, the the oh was that's a spinoff, right? Yeah, yeah. There were there was one. Um, There was one multiplayer Legend of Zelda game on the DS. It was called Triforce Heroes. They were really trying to push. Uh, um, they have it. So the, the point of the game is that the main character, Link, is split into four links. And so it would be really cool of an idea to have other people play as each individual main character. So you can, it, it was really the only angle that the franchise could take a multiplayer game in. Um, and so it was on the Nintendo 3DS, which was a console mainly based around co-op play. Like they wanted you to take this very portable system anywhere you want with your friends and play it on the go. And, that, and I think Nintendo is really good about that, um, making games that people want to play with their friends. Um, that's why Zelda is a big thing. Super Smash Bros. is like one of the largest grossing games in the world, draws in crowds from around the globe to competitions and stuff like that yeah i, I don't think i've played uh, zelda i think i played you know uh, super mario bros i played yeah. uh pokemon i played i think everything else with that one but i i, I think I, i mean i've heard of, of it of the game but i haven't played it. i think uh, i'll give it a try next time i highly recommend it <laughs> if you uh, oh my god um which one I'm do like, you recommend me to start with like uh, uh if you want to start okay so 
here's i have a thing with what, um, what's the right thing you know the right path to follow what's the, the right way to do it there is a formula to a lot of zelda games um for the majority of its long time as as a as a video game franchise uh zelda has been a linear story you have to go from point a to point b to point c um and find and figure out puzzles along the way to continue the story um the first game that i ever started with in the zelda uh, franchise was um uh from the ds uh, uh what's it called Fra phantom hourglass that was a really good game i wouldn't recommend that to start though um i think that if you start with any game it should be well uh it depends on what console you have. Um, do you have? Do you own any Nintendo consoles? I had the DS, but I sold it. I mean, I can ah. get it. You know, I can buy it. But like, I had that one. I had a Game Boy. I don't know if uh, there's Zelda for Game Boy. Yes, is there? Uh, like... yes, yes. There, there are some uh, Game Boy be, Zelda right? games. Yeah. So, so um, which one is it? The one that you play, or the you know? So I think you... the the best console to choose for playing a zelda game would be the wii u because it has a bunch of virtual consoles of games that were on the game boy i mean on the on the game cube uh and my i think the best zelda game to start with would be either wind waker or ocarina of time uh those are my favorite ones um the, the biggest uh favorite uh main type of zelda game like uh, it has a good structure that holds the player in and you know what to expect you know that you are a hero embarking on a journey and you have this set of objectives and you have a great adventure along the way but recently on the nintendo switch they created legend of zelda breath of the wild a whole new a whole new dynamic i mean it's open world which is the the I never expected Legend of Zelda to take a direction in open world, but uh, that's the new thing nowadays. Every game has to be open world, otherwise it's not big enough. Otherwise it's not a good enough game. <laughs> it's like you're free to explore, uh, you know, in the game, every, yeah. like the whole time. You, you are given an objective. You have to kill the main bad guy. You have to, you have to beat Ganon. You can do that in the first 20 minutes of gameplay. You can go and challenge him as fast as you want. But you will probably fail <laughs> unless you challenge yourself to go to other places on this wide sprawling map, this entire story, this journey that they've laid across an entire field for you. Um, and you have to challenge yourself to do to 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 challenge those um, puzzles and and dungeons and bosses so that you can become stronger and good enough to actually beat the game <laughs> so gain experience first and then it's like kind of you go uh, and level up first and then you can you know yeah. go against the boss but there really is no leveling system you gain more health so that you won't die as fast but the main leveling up comes from you being able to play the game better mm, like okay. you know which weapons to use at what points and you know uh what uh, how a puzzle works or how a mechanic works so that you can exploit that uh, in in tough circumstances and i learn, think yeah learn by experience right yeah and, and i think that that nintendo did a really good job in creating a there's just basically a sandbox of different uh challenges for you to like oh i remember i learned how to do this earlier let me apply this again and it's a very natural form of playing a game like it invites you to recall 
mechanics that you picked up on yourself so you feel like you're accomplishing something that, that no one's done before and of course everyone goes through the same experience but it in that way it it like it makes everyone feel special <laughs> nice 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 recommendation i wrote it down i'll go try yeah. it yeah I, i highly recommend uh breath of the wild it's it's a fantastic game lots of content all right i, I won't hold you up any longer uh yeah. i can speak with you forever <laughs> it's, it's a really interesting conversation thank you for doing this uh, uh are you um, where where can people find you do you have any social media i'll put it in the description but if you just want to you know Um, yeah, I, I don't really have a lot of social media. I tried doing Instagram. I mean, but, didn't, work. Uh, didn't work out, didn't work out. Uh, you can find me at my LinkedIn, but that's pretty much it. <laughs> All right. And for, for the vector, uh, is it like, where can uh, people find the vector besides, you know, the campus? Should... Uh, oh, uh, the vector, uh, hold on. The vector NJIT. Um, Uh, well, you, you can, can send me the links. I'll just put them in the description. But if you yeah, just yeah, want to no. say them, I guess. Yeah, you can find uh, the, the link to all the Vector's articles. They're all archived on njitvector.com. Um, but yeah, all of our work is on there. You can search by article, topic, uh, our, uh, author. You can find all my stuff listed under one little section. Um, we tag everything. We give everyone uh, fair uh, representation. <laughs> uh, but yeah, all of our all of our uh, pieces that we've done recently are all on there. Um, but one, yeah, you one, can... one question: uh, the review that you wrote about the how you know connecting uh, in the games and all of that, the the review mm -hmm. that won the award is that on the vector? Is that somewhere or you? Oh, have... Yes. Um, no, you can find you can find um, the review. I think it's called uh, if you search just Fall Guys, honestly, <laughs> uh, let me do it on the, on the website right now. Um, oh, yeah. On, okay, it's under the title Online Party Games Provide Connection During Quarantine. The, uh, my editors must have chosen that title. Um, but yeah, you can search it up, um, find it. Uh, if you, even if you search um, NJIT, uh, video game report you'll find the article that links to me and then you can link it back to the article because i was in uh, the, the school's newspaper as well so uh, you nice, can find nice. the vector through there <laughs> full circle right yeah all right sebastian thank you thanks for doing this i really appreciate it all right thank you so much for having me thank you bye all right bye bye